Oh, Rachel, she put out a fire on the wagon that I started. And I kid you not, there'd be people in line saying, um, can I get a churro? And I was like, do you see the fire and smoke? Like, hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> everyone to another bonus episode of the DCL Duo podcast. And tonight it is just me solo. So I am the DCL solo. Brian is unable to join us, but I am excited to welcome a guest, Rachel, to talk about a touch of Disney at Disneyland. Rachel, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Samantha. So on our bonus episodes, we don't usually talk about somebody's Disney background, but Rachel, you have such an interesting Disney background. I'd love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about it. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I grew up in Southern California and I went to a Catholic private school and every year they had Catholic school days for our school. Um, It was usually spring break. This was back in the days when they had ticket booths and all of that. So we would go once a year, you know, it was a luxury. And so I just, of course, fell in love with the parks and the characters. And and then when I was in high school, a senior in high school, some of my friends started to work at Disneyland in different parts of the park. I thought, hey, that would be a really awesome job. So I applied everybody. I think probably everybody applies to be in attractions. They hired me in the outdoor vending department, which is the little popcorn and ice cream stands and balloons. Oh my God, it was so much fun. I met so many people. And back then we had canoe um, races in the summertime before the park opened. And our family Christmas party was just the cast members from Disneyland and the hotels. So it was like five minute waits for all the attractions and our managers would be working all the booths, handing out the popcorn and all of that. It was just kind of a magical time. And then after outdoor vending, I transferred to the character department to be in entertainment. So I did that for five years, which was also really fun. I traveled with the character department to different states for openings like the Disney stores. And then then I moved to guest relations, which was also amazing. I gave tours of the park. I just love the history of the park and finding out so much information I could about why Walt did things. And so I gave the walk in Walt's footsteps tours and so I was like all over Disneyland and I still have friends that lit work there. So I still try to go usually in May for my birthday and again in the Christmas time because I love the park at Christmas with all the holidays. Here's a here's kind of a little secret that not a lot of people know and I think you might be really jealous actually. I had my going away party in Walt's uh, apartment. Wow. I am super jealous. I would absolutely love to go there. (laughs) Super cool. I have pictures. So Rachel, I want to hear about a touch of Disney at Disneyland. Tell us about why you decided to go, um, who you went with. Give us the introduction of, of going to touch of Disney. 
Yeah, so uh, a friend and I, a friend of mine and I got tickets for um, Sunday, March twenty eighth, for the Touch of Disney event. I was really interested in going to the Touch of Disney event because you know the parks have been closed for over a year, and it's just you know such a happy place. And you know, I think any and everybody who has a connection to the parks wants a little taste of it. So it was nice to be able to go into California Adventure. They have um, shops open and it was like a food event where they had all kinds of different little booths all over the place. They're themed. And then I think Lamplight was open and we ate at Carthay Circle. That was one of the highlights of it. Yeah, it was great. It was um, $75 and it included parking and they you got a $25 food voucher. We were, I was just kind of looking around at some of the Disney blogs and stuff and someone has suggested if we do have a reservation at a restaurant to use that $25 for your meal. That way you would use it instead of piecemealing it throughout the day and then you might not use the whole thing. So that's what we were going for. And we decided, I wasn't really sure how the crowds were going to be. So we thought we would arrive about 2.30. I think it started at uh, noon from like noon to eight. So we got there about 2.30. Parking was super easy. They just scanned our ticket and then just sent us on our way and we found a spot. Okay. Tell us about how you get in, how you go through security and like what the crowds are like when you're getting into California Adventure. Yes. So we were um, instructed to park at the Mickey and Friends parking structure. And so we did. And there was security. They took our, I think it was before we, so what happens is they, they weren't having the tram running. So we had a walk from the parking structure to the main gate, which was fine. It was probably like a, eh, maybe a seven or eight minute walk, something like that, maybe a little bit more. But before we went through, they checked to make sure we had the correct masks on and that people were wearing masks. You know, I saw a guy ahead of us. He didn't have his, his was like below his chin and they asked him to put it up, which he did. And then they took our temperature. It was not crowded at all. I mean, the one of the reasons why I wanted to go a little bit later, I thought for some reason, if we got there earlier, it would be like a mad dash of people. But I did hear, and I don't know if they're advertising this, but they were opening up at 1130 and letting people go down on the Buena Vista Street because it was starting to get crowded at the Esplanade. So they were letting people in to kind of disperse that a little bit. But we didn't have a problem because we came a little bit later. There was no wait at the main gate. They scanned our tickets that we printed out and they gave us our little, it was like a card for our $25 dining. And then we just kind of walked around and checked out. There was things I knew I wanted to get. Like, I think the very first place we hit was award wieners because you have to get the corn dog, right? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, everybody has their favorite park snack. Yes. So that was amazing. The corn dog is awesome. And then we met up with our friends that came up from San Diego. He got the carrot cake funnel fries and actually they were cold, which was a little, you know, disappointing. He would think the fried dough would be warm. I told him to take it back, but I felt like because I've never really used the mobile ordering, they had like a separate line where you could walk up and just order because I wasn't sure how how it all worked. And there's a lot of people around who you could ask questions. I felt like it was a good amount of people. Like it wasn't too many people, but there was people around. So, you know, you kind of just found a space to sit in the shade and eat and 
It felt safe. Did they have the same rules as in Walt Disney World where you're not allowed to walk around while you're eating and you have to like sit in designated areas in order to eat? I believe it was. I never saw anybody walking around eating and I just assumed it was the same regulation. So we just kind of found a spot and they would have like these high top tables where you can stand and they would put those out. And then there was other tables that, you know, regular size tables with chairs. And then um, there was areas that had like benches and some of them were blocked off and said, you know, don't sit here. And then there was other spaces. So, you know, you could spread out and And I never felt like anybody was not paying attention or not being considerate of other people. It seemed like everybody was just doing your best to be considerate towards other people. That's really nice to hear. I wonder if people are being so considerate because it's been, you know, about a year and everybody just wants to get back to the parks and they just miss it so much. And so they're willing to um, be more accommodating and more aware of their surroundings and wear masks and all of that so they can really at least have a Disneyland experience. No, absolutely. Yeah. I had gone last year, 2020 in February. And so a few weeks later it was closed. And honestly, like I never, ever, ever imagined the parks would close. When Disneyland's closing, you know that it's serious. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us when you get inside Disney California Adventure for a touch of Disney, where do you go first and what's open when you get in there? We had walked in and gone to the left to get over to award wieners because I wanted to beeline it right over to the corn dog. But then at the end of the street there, it's it was blocked off. So you couldn't go back to where the Guardians of the Galaxy was. Cause like we kind of wanted to walk over and see if we could see any of the Marvel campus. So we couldn't walk back there, but you can see some things like above the fencing and stuff when you go up that other street. I don't know what it's called, the one where you go up towards where the Napa Rose is. Yeah, like just before that split between Cars Land and heading over to Pixar Pier. Right. Well, yeah. So just before that, they have a giant wall and you can see some things for Avengers Campus. So that was kind of cool. We went over and got this most amazing Flutter Mutter Churro. And I love churros. I always get a churro when I come into the park. So we got one of the Flutter Mutter Churros. Yeah, those specialty churros are some of Brian's favorites. There are some super delicious ones. Yes. So it had a peanut butter sauce. It had marshmallow sauce and these little chocolate chips. It was awesome. And so we got one of those and then two regular churros. And then we could dip our regular churros into that sauce. It was it was really good. And usually I'm just a very plain churro person. I don't like a lot of weird stuff. Just give me the straightforward thing. But that was amazing. Ooh, that sounds really delicious to me. And I'm also one of those usually a plain churro kind of people. (laughs) But I bet you ate and sold a whole lot of churros when you were working in outdoor vending at Disneyland Park. Am I right? Samantha, churros. Let me tell you about churros. When I was in outdoor vending, they started the churro wagons. And I want to say there were 75 cents. That's how long ago this was. First, you would have racks where you would um, bring them down, you know, put the frozen ones on the top and gradually you just bring them down as you sold them. And then they got fancy new machines that had like a chute that you would put it in from the top. It would go through the oven and then whip out on the bottom. But if sometimes if the churros, some of them were like thicker than others, 
And so they wouldn't get cooked all the way. And so you'd have to kind of fill them. And But sometimes you wouldn't realize until after you had rolled it in sugar and you're like, oh no, because obviously you're not going to sell that to a guest. I remember being on Churro 6 over at the Haunted Mansion, which is the busiest churro wagon of all the park. And I was over there and I don't know if I should tell this story. Oh my God. So I had rolled the fat churro in the cinnamon sugar and I realized... This is probably frozen inside. So I threw it back in the top. Well, you know, going through the oven, the sugar's going to catch on fire, which it did. It was a pretty big fire coming out of the oven. And so I had to use a fire extinguisher. It almost knocked me over the fence behind me. And then I got an award for putting out the fire on my churro wagon. (laughs) Wait, they gave you an award for putting out that fire? Oh, Rachel, she put out a fire on the wagon that I started. And I kid you not, there'd be people in line saying, um, can I get a churro? And I was like, do you see the fire and smoke? Like, hold on a second. <laughs> like, oh my God, I can totally see that. I can totally see that happening. People just want their churros. And a secret, to be honest with you, sometimes in the old wagons, the old ones I was telling you about, we may blow out the pilot light and wait for somebody to have to come and turn it back on from the fire department in order to get a break from selling I don't know. I shouldn't be telling all the secrets. Oh my God, we love that stuff. So going back to Touch of Disney, did you see them testing any of the rides while you were walking around? I did not. I heard that they are going to start testing soon, though, from a friend of mine. They're going to do a, um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, that once the parks are going to open at the end of April, they're going to do some fan- cast member only testing. You can come in with their families and they're going to test rides and stuff. That's cool. They did a lot of that at Walt Disney World um, before the reopening there. A friend of ours who is friends with a lot of cast members got to do, I think, a reopening day at Animal Kingdom. And it was really nice because there's, of course, no lines with just cast members there. It seems nice, but it's really being a guinea pig, right? Like they want to see how fast they can get people through the attractions. And and I think they're going to probably benefit from the fact that they have all of the knowledge from Walt Disney World being open. So I think it'll run a lot smoother here once it happens. Oh, sure. That's a good point. The only real big difference is the size, you know, capacity of Disneyland versus Disney World. Can I also just kind of mention going back to the event? One of the things I found that was interesting, so I'm not really familiar with the mobile ordering. And so I would suggest to your listeners to kind of get familiar with it because some of the little food stands only took mobile orders. You could not walk up like we did to the corn dog place. So when you go on and you click to mobile order, it'll give you a time. And we were looking at Cluck-a-Doodle-Moo. We wanted to try the grilled beef tenderloin slider and the gumbo. And it had a time of like 45 minutes from when we were doing the order. And we thought, well, there wasn't a line. So we thought, okay, we'll just click it and then go and pick it up. But that's not the case. They said, well, we have like 
18 orders ahead of you. And I'm thinking, but there's no one here. Like there's no line. Why can't we just have their food and you give them our food? (laughs) But that's (laughs) kind of not how it works. So, and then I I was told that you can kind of go through and do them all at the same time. You can kind of plan them out. That might be something that people want to do, especially if it's something you really want to taste and you don't want to not get a chance to taste it. If for whatever reason you can't walk up and then maybe it's later in the evening and they don't have any mobile ordering, you might miss out. So I would suggest kind of doing it maybe all in the first half of the day. These are some really good tips. They're also really good for when they do food and wine festival. So did you see any characters around at the event? Did they have caravans or anything like that? I did see a few characters. From what I was told, there's no caravan or anything going through the park, but they were stationed in certain areas. It was hot on Sunday for some crazy reason. So, you know, we were in the shade. And then I looked across the water and there was Goofy and his son, Max. And they were up on a building across the water and they were fishing. And one of them had like a chicken, like a stuffed chicken on its line, his fish line. I think it was Max. It was kind of odd and cute and funny. And some people were taking pictures and they were waving. So that was like a fun experience. And then when we went closer to, see, I wish I knew the names of the areas because I left the parks in 99 before California Adventure opened. So I'm not familiar with the different areas as much. But so we were walking towards past where the Little Mermaid ride is. So on the left-hand side is an attraction that's It looks like these spaceships and it just swings around in a circle. So then just past that was um, some kind of building and upstairs, it was closed. I think it was an attraction, but it wasn't open, obviously. But they had, it was um, Mickey Mouse and his band costume. I remember for sure there was two characters over there. And my friends were like, oh, he's in his Fantasia outfit. And I was like, that's not Fantasia. No, no, look at him. I was like, no, that's the band leader outfit. But um, that's where we had to wait to get our cuckadoodle moo food offerings. So we were sitting there at the tables. And so, I mean, he seemed to see us waving. I was like, hi, Mickey. And I waved and he waved. He saw us. It was, it was, it was great. But I highly recommend the grilled beef tenderloin cider. It was so good, Samantha. And the meat literally melted in your mouth. It was so good. The chicken gumbo, my... My best friend who came with me, she's from Louisiana. So she was like, no, I don't think so. And it was actually really good too. I really was impressed because, you know, usually theme park food gets by, but it's not anything great. And these were really, really good. And then we went over to the Golden Dreams stand for the sweet and spicy chicken wings. And that was amazing. And then, of course, we went over and got a Dole Whip from the adorable snowman. Because you have to, right? Uh, Yeah. When in Disneyland, have a Dole Whip, of course. Then we had our Carthay Circle reservation. So then we had to run back to the basically the front of the park. So we didn't explore as much, but we got all the tasty treats we wanted because I had like basically put an X next to what I wanted to eat. Well, that's how you keep track of all the food that you want to eat when you get that card that has the whole list of all the snacks. So tell me about Carthay Circle. Were you eating inside or outside on like a patio? Uh, No, just outside. We couldn't even use the restroom inside. They said, no, you have to walk across the street. So uh, it was outside over um, to the, it was basically the sidewalk in front of the 
restaurant and they had all the tables out. You know, the service was impeccable. The food was really good. It, it had like a small bites type of menu. They weren't big portions. It was all like smaller little things. So we got several items and then split them and everything we got was really, really good. I'm going to say there's probably like 12 items to choose from and we got five or six of them and we all just shared. So it was really it was really good. Um, my favorite out of all of the items we got was this shrimp spring roll that was really just refreshing. I want to say like it might have had mint inside. It was really, really refreshing and light and really good. I also really liked the scallops. It was like kind of like a, it was in like a, a half shell and it had some sort of, there was potato in there. It was like a scallop au gratin type of thing. That was really good. We had the Vietnamese beef Ooh. tacos, which were excellent. Oh, it was all really, and nothing I'd ever had before. So, and then the duck confit empanada was really, and that was a big, a big portion. There was two pretty large empanadas. They were good. That all sounds really yummy. I mean, Disney does for food and wine some really interesting uh, things, kind of, it sounds like very similar to what you're describing, having it a touch of Disney. So I think what one of the things our listeners are probably wondering about is, was it worth it? I mean, you didn't get the full Disneyland or California Adventure experience. So was it worth it to go to a touch of Disney for uh, to get that little bit of Disney magic? You know, Samantha, honestly, I thought, it was a perfect little taste. And when they called it Touch of Disney, I thought that was a great name for it because, because some of the food offerings that they had were things that you would only find in the parks, like the Monte Cristo sandwich or, you know, a Dole Whip or a corn dog. Cause you know, the Disney corn dogs are like no other corn dog anywhere else, even the churros, right? So I feel like you got a little bit of that because I think people want that, like a little bit of a taste of the things that they love. So they had those sort of offerings. And then they had other little things that, you know, like that amazing beef slider and some of the other food offerings that, you know, aren't something you would find in the park all the time. But it was like an interesting thing to taste. And I would you know, it was fun to, you know, have like different little bites that you can try and just get a little taste of, you know, some different food items. And to me, I thought it was a good mix. They had, they had music. I didn't mention this. They had a really interesting mix of music pumped throughout the park. And it was like, you know, Disney classics and favorites, but like a twist to them, like maybe an updated version or like maybe a, I don't know, I'm just making this up, but like a One Direction version of a song type oh, of thing. Fun. Honestly, I was like dancing as I was walking down the street. I was just so happy to be there. So I feel like you got a little taste of that comfort of the familiarity of the Disney magic. And of course, the cast members, in my opinion, are what makes Disney magic. They make all the magic. And every single cast member we came in contact with were happy, very helpful. They were, you know, always smiling and greeting you and just, you know, any question you had, 
I thought there was a, a lot of cast members. So if you had a question or wasn't really sure about how to mobile order, they are very helpful. Um, they can walk you through it and they have that Disney attitude and just the whole atmosphere. For me, it was 100% worth it. I felt like I got my taste of the parks that I love with some of the food items because you know, just as well as I do, that the smelling, you know, when you have a, a sense of smell memory and then you, it brings you back to like your happiest moments and then you have the music, which also does the same thing. So I felt like it was a really good experience. I felt like it was worth the money. And the only thing is I wish it was, I, I kind of wish I would have gotten there maybe earlier because I wanted a little more time. Oh, and I would like to add also that how many times do you go into the park where you're rushing to get on certain rides, right? Maybe maybe not so much if you're a pass holder because I feel like if you have an annual pass, then you don't have as much of an urgency to get everything in that you want to get in. But so because we didn't have that pressure of, okay, now we don't have to run over to Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, wait, no, we got to get on the uh, Incredicoaster. You know, so we didn't have that pressure. So it was really nice just experiencing the parks. And honestly, I've never really done that before. That's a great point. It's a much more relaxing way to really visit a Disney park. And so it, it sounds like it was a really great experience. And thanks so much, Rachel, for talking to us and coming on the show to tell us about A Touch of Disney. And uh, we're really excited to have you back on the show at some point in the future to talk about your Disneyland history and your Disneyland parks experience from when you're a cast member. So thanks again. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Well, we were really excited to get Rachel on the show this evening for our bonus episode to talk about Touch of Disney. It's just so great to see the parks and Disneyland specifically, you know, making more steps in the direction toward opening. Disneyland has been closed for so long. It's just so great to see folks being able to enjoy the park again and the park taking those crucial steps toward reopening. It's also a lot of fun to hear about Touch of Disney through the eyes of a former cast member. Cast members tend to be some of the biggest Disney fans out there. And so it's just really great to hear Rachel's experience. We are going to have to have her back on at some point to talk about her experiences as a cast member. She had a lot of fun information to share that we couldn't include in the bonus episode. So we're going to have Rachel back to talk about being a cast member uh, sometime soon. So watch out for that. With that, I do want to thank each and every one of you out there for listening this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL duo each week. Please also leave us those five-star reviews over at Apple Podcasts. Those reviews are really helpful in making our show visible to other people who might be looking for content like ours. So head over there, leave us those reviews. Those written reviews especially are just really awesome to see. So head over there, leave us those reviews. Please, please, please. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo. You can also head over to the DCL Duo channel on YouTube for even more great content. Or you can join our DCL Duo vlog and podcast Facebook group to join a conversation with some like-minded DCL Duo fans and cruisers like yourself. The DCL Duo podcast and vlog are not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Walt Disney Company, or the Walt Disney Family of Theme Parks. The views expressed on this show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL duo. Good night. Good night.